0: Welcome to More Christianity. I'm Father Dwight Longenecker, and this is the program where we explore the fullness of the Christian faith in the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church stands as the greatest, the oldest, and the biggest of the Christian churches, the one founded by Jesus Christ on the rock which is St. Peter. Our headquarters in Rome are based over the tomb of St. Peter who died a martyr's death in Rome in the year 65. However, this claim to be the one true church, the church founded by Jesus Christ, uh, has been challenged in comparatively recent history by A church which is part of what we call the Restorationist movement. Restorationism is the idea that the churches of Jesus Christ should somehow get back to the basics, get back to the original, uh, get back and restore what Jesus Christ intended and his apostles in the New Testament. Restorationism is a a particularly American phenomenon and a a Protestant phenomenon. The Protestant Reformation in the 1500s was also a restorationist movement trying to get back to the basics and cut away all the clutter and cut away all the so-called man-made traditions and man-made doctrines which have grown up. Along with restorationism goes the idea of primitivism. Primitivism is the idea again that you want to get back to the primitive church, back get back to the church of the New Testament. Now, there are some problems in primitivism and restorationism. You can find some of those problems outlined in an article which is on my blog under the archived articles tab. It's called The Problems with Primitivism, and that article goes into the, an explanation of the difficulties with primitivism and restorationism. And some of the simple problems are that it's difficult to know exactly what the church was like in the first century, but the most basic and common sense objection to primitivism and restorationism is why would you want to go back to the first century anyway? We live in the 21st century. Uh, We've moved on from there, and the Catholic understanding is that the church has grown and developed, and the Holy Spirit has continued to be with us during that time. Now, one of the most important and most influential of the restorationist movements in the United States is actually the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, otherwise known as Mormons. In the second half of the program today, I'm going to be talking to Thomas Smith, who's a convert from the Mormon religion. But first, we're going to explore a little bit about Mormonism to help understand where it comes from and why it's so influential in the world today. You have to understand that in the early 1800s in America, the American population was largely rural. Uh, living in simple uh, accommodation on the frontier. The Midwest and certainly the Far West were still being developed. It was a, a tough life. It was an agricultural life. There was a low level of education, but a high level of religious fervor. And in the 1820s, 1830s, there was a kind of second awakening, a second great awakening, religious historians call it, in which a wave of enthusiasm swept across the Protestant churches and a wave of prophets and people with visions and with ideas for new religions began to sweep across the American population. The Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints was just one of those many different movements. And Mormonism, or the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or Latter-day Saints, or LDS, uh, was founded by Joseph Smith. And the story goes like this. Joseph Smith was living in New York, and he had a profound religious experience where he said that he discovered buried in the earth some golden plates. And these plates made up the Book of Mormon, and the Book of Mormon was the story of the indigenous peoples of the Americas, that is the Native Americans, who it turns out were actually uh, Israelites. And they had a belief in Christ many hundreds of years before his birth, according to the religious experience that Joseph Smith had. Uh, And the truth that he found, uh, as he said in the Book of Mormon. He dictated this book of 584 pages over a period of about three months, and he claimed that he had translated this book from an ancient language by the gift and power of God. The production of this book began in mid-1829, and Smith and his other followers began baptizing these converts into this primitivist, restorationist kind of religion, and they were formally organized around 1830. Smith is therefore seen as the prophet and the founder of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We have to understand that part of his teaching was that these indigenous Americans, the Native Americans, had an actual understanding of Jesus Christ. and They were the lost tribes of Judah, and Jesus Christ appeared to them and gave them a revelation of the church which would be revealed and brought back to the truth in these latter times. So during the 1820s, Smith also reported having other angelic visitations and that he'd been instructed by God to re-establish the true Christian church and that this Book of Mormon that he had discovered, which had been written on the golden plates, would be the means of establishing correct doctrine for the restored church. Now, of course, there's some problems with this. The golden plates mysteriously disappeared. No one knows what ancient language they were translated from because they'd never seen them And so Smith was very early accused of being a bogus prophet and his followers of being a dangerous and an outlandish sect. From New York, because they were falling into conflict with their neighbors, they moved to Kirtland, Ohio, and they hoped to establish a permanent city there called the New Jerusalem or the City of Zion. They wanted to go on and uh, establish this in Missouri. However, they were expelled from Missouri in 1833, and there were violent conflicts. The governor of Missouri uh, issued an extermination order, not to kill them, uh, but to expel them from Missouri. And so they fled to Illinois, and they settled in the city of Nauvoo. In Nauvoo, they had a time of peace and prosperity for a few years, but tensions grew up again. Smith was accused of financial irregularities. He was also accused of being sexually involved with young women. This is when the idea of polygamy and multiple marriages began to grow up in the sect, and a riot broke out in Nauvoo. and in 1844, the prophet Joseph Smith was killed by an angry mob. The Mormons, his followers, then chose Brigham Young as their new leader, and they left for the Utah Territory, where now, of course, they've settled for good and they've established and built up the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Now, from this remarkable story of the foundation of religion in America in the 1820s, Mormonism has grown to be one of the most influential religions in the United States, so much so that in the 2012 election, for the first time, we had a Mormon who was running for president. Mormonism describes itself as a Christian religion. However, part of this belief is linked in with other restorationist beliefs that there was a great apostasy in the church. This happened not long after the ascension of Jesus Christ, according to this theory. And according to Mormons and others who hold to the idea of a great apostasy, the apostasy involved the corruption of the pure original Christian doctrine with Greek and other philosophies. The Mormons claim that the martyrdom of the apostles led to the loss of priestly authority, and at that point, the Christian church departed from the true path. And therefore, it needed to be reestablished. And they believe that it was reestablished through Joseph Smith in the United States in the 1820s. Now, a lot of people would look at all of these claims and say, you know, there's lots of little religions like that out there. And you're right, in the United States in the 1800s, there were found the foundation of numerous other religions like this, seeking to restore the true church and go right back to the very beginning. What do Mormons actually believe? Well, we can break this down into a couple of different categories. First of all, there is their rather unusual cosmology. What is cosmology? Cosmology is what you believe about the universe, the world, creation, and this life and the life to come, the kind of supernatural element of the faith. And for Mormons, a lot of them are attracted to Joseph Smith's cosmology. According to Mormons, life on earth is just a short part of an eternal existence. All people existed as spirits or intelligences in the presence of God from the beginning. And God had a plan which would lead all of them to advance and to become like himself. All of these intelligences or souls were able to accept God's plan or reject it. Satan and the demons rejected it. But through the atonement of Jesus Christ, Mormons believe that we can be saved and we can accept God's plan of redemption and salvation. Now, this sounds pretty much like ordinary Christian belief. And there are a lot of things about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints which do actually match up with conventional Christian belief. However, there are a lot of things also which do not. And the main thing which does not match up with Orthodox Christianity is the Mormon's understanding of Jesus Christ. Mormons believe Jesus Christ is the literal firstborn Son of God and Messiah, and his crucifixion is a sin offering, and they also believe in his resurrection. However. Notice that they believe that he is the literal firstborn son of God. He's not actually, as Christians believe, the incarnate son of God. He's not the second person of the Holy Trinity. In fact, not only do they reject the incarnation of Jesus Christ as the son of God, but Mormons also reject the doctrine of the Trinity, therefore. In these particular beliefs, they depart from mainstream Christianity, but also in some of their practices. The Mormons practice a certain number of what they call ordinances, not sacraments. And these ordinances are a particular religious rituals by which they identify with God and have a transaction with God for their salvation. That includes baptism and confirmation, and also they have a form of ordination for most of the men who are Mormons. They also see marriage as uh, an ordinance. But in addition to this, they believe that people can take part in an ordinance on behalf of another person. And so they practice baptism for the dead. One of the reasons that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is so keen on genealogy and keeping track of our ancestors is so that they can baptize other people on behalf of those who are dead, thus initiating them into the Mormon religion. This is something, along with a lot of their other practices and their more detailed and obscure beliefs, which take them away from Orthodox Christianity. In addition to the Holy Bible, they have the Doctrines and Covenants, the Pearl of Great Price, and the Book of Mormon. These are three Mormon writings which are considered to be scripture, to be divinely inspired scripture, the Mormon religion. Although it in many ways appears to be a Christian denomination, it actually is not. It is, in its main beliefs, contrary to the historic creeds of Christianity. They reject that Jesus Christ is God incarnate. They reject the doctrine of the Holy Trinity. Of course, Mormons would dispute that, and they would say that uh, their religion is a variation of the Christian faith, much like any other Protestant denomination, and that people should not have a problem with it. However, Catholics want to hold to the true historic faith as delivered by Jesus Christ to Peter and his successors. Therefore, Catholics reject the claims of the Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints. The Vatican has ruled that baptisms done by Mormons are actually invalid. They're invalid because although they're done with water and in the name of Jesus Christ, they're not actually completed in the name of the Trinity, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Therefore, when we consider the Mormons, we have to hold them up and compare them to the other religions, which were founded at the same time. We have to ask them some pretty tough questions. We want to ask, why do people feel that God would have left the human race without the truth for nearly 1900 years, for 1820 years until finally he revealed it to a man in New York State in the 1820s? Why would God have allowed the entire human race to to suffer and to go into damnation by not having the truth? Wouldn't he care more for the human race who his son died to redeem than to leave it for 1820 years until he could reveal the true religion to them? Why would this be the true religion when there were so many other restorationist churches being founded at the same time? Furthermore, those who are doubtful about the claims of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints want to come back and ask, what were those golden plates that Joseph Smith found? And if they were so important that an angel revealed where they were, why didn't the angel help him to preserve them for the future so that people could examine them and study them? All of these questions and more are the things which cause us to challenge very strongly the Mormon religion. In a few moments, we're going to talk to Thomas Smith, who himself is a descendant of some of the leading founding fathers of the Mormon Church. Thomas converted to the Catholic faith, and he's going to tell us his story in the second half of this program. You're listening to More Christianity. I'm Father Dwight Longenecker. This is the program where we explore the fullness of the Christian faith in the Catholic Church. I want to take a moment and remind our listeners about my blog, Standing on My Head. It's called Standing on My Head in reference to a quote by G.K. Chesterton that a scene is very often more clearly seen when it is seen upside down. And so I write about current events and try to stand them on their head so that we have a gospel perspective. So go to my blog, Standing on My Head, and read it every day, bookmark it, and come and visit me there. And now back to more Christianity. I'm Father Dwight Longenecker, and you're listening to More Christianity, the program where we explore the fullness of the Christian faith in the Catholic Church. In the first half of today's program, we told the story of the Mormon faith and how it got established and how it's uniquely American. And my guest now in the second part of the program is Thomas Smith. Thomas Smith is a convert to the Catholic Church from the Mormon religion. Welcome to More Christianity, Thomas. Thank you, Father Dwight, for having me. It's great to be on with you. Thomas, you were telling me earlier that you actually live in Idaho. We don't meet many people from Idaho here in South Carolina. I mean, isn't that one of the states where there's more cattle than people? <laughs>
1: you're exactly right. In fact, uh, there's only about 12 people who live in the state, so it's nice. You don't have a uh, lot <laughs> that of traffic jams here.
0: That's why we don't meet many of you, <laughs> I suppose. You're right.
1: Very rural area and, and lonely, Latter-day Saint area, actually. Southeastern Idaho is probably about 85% Latter-day Saint.
0: Uh-huh. And you actually live on a cattle ranch, is that right? I do. Yeah, belong to my grandparents. Fantastic. The other thing about Idaho is I have the idea that there are not many Catholics in Idaho. Is that correct?
1: You're right. I think it's probably under 5%. -hmm. Uh,
0: So a very small diocese located in Boise, which is
1: four or five hours from me.
0: Now, Thomas, you told me earlier that you are actually a convert from Mormonism, but not directly to the Catholic faith. You first were brought up as a Mormon. Was that there in Idaho or was it elsewhere in the West?
1: Yeah, it was here in Idaho. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And from six generations of a of a Mormon family, so all of your relatives and, and so forth, are, are they still Mormon?
1: Yes, right. Uh, there's a percentage of what are called Jack Mormons, which mm-hmm. are Mormons in name only, so they're not practicing their faith typically. But eventually all four of my family generations converted to Mormonism, the oldest being six generations. So my fourth great-grandfather was Joseph Smith's Personal secretary. His name was Thomas Bullock. Huh. Uh, so that's the earliest generation that goes back. So into the the 1830s. He was a convert in Great Britain, and uh, like many converts, really in the 1830s and 1840s, and then later families, later family lines converted either later in those missions in the British Isles or here in the states.
0: It sounds to me like you'd be part of the Mormon aristocracy, if you like. You you have a you have quite a Mormon pedigree.
1: Uh, we're very proud of our pioneer heritage because Thomas Bullock came across the plains with Brigham Young uh, in the 1840s as well, and when they entered the Salt Lake Valley. Uh, so so yeah, I was very proud, I think, growing up of, of our lineage.
0: What a fascinating story. So here's your ancestors who actually traveled across the prairies with Brigham Young and those Mormon pioneers looking for the promised land, looking for their paradise. Now, you, though, stepped out of that to become, uh, first of all, a Baptist. Is that correct?
1: Right. Uh, Like many 19-year-old young men, I was called to be a Mormon missionary. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you you basically get a letter from the Mormon prophet that identifies where you're going to spend the next two years of your life. And I got called to a strange and foreign land uh, called Alabama. You've heard of it. I think it's nearby. Uh, So I was really in the buckle of the Bible belt. And it was through that Mormon mission, really, that I was introduced for the first time to committed Christians who I'd never met before. That began a very painful that graceful journey uh, out of Mormonism uh, to the
0: Christian faith. So you went to evangelize uh, Baptists, and they evangelized you. <laughs> exactly. It's the most unexpected
1: result of, of that uh, two-year mission.
0: Right. So that perhaps should give a bit of encouragement to those of us Catholics who see the Mormon missionaries approaching with their white shirts and their ties on bicycles and helmets and knocking on our door. We should, we should be encouraged and welcome them in to, to engage in conversation. We might convert them. Is, is that the what we should take from your story?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Of course, conversion is the role of the, you know, that's the Holy Spirit's work, but we can plant seeds, and so I I encourage Catholics, whenever they see those two guys coming up their walkway, don't hide behind the recliner, or open that door. It's a divine appointment. Even if you don't have time to have a long, extended discussion, no Mormon missionary, Jehovah's Witness, or fundamentalist should leave a Catholic doorstep without hearing our witness, our story, at least. So I encourage all Catholics to, in 100 words or less, have the essence of what their faith means to them, their personal faith story, and show that on their doorstep. And that's a seed planted. It certainly was mm-hmm. in my life when people had the courage to speak the truth in love or share their faith with me on the doorstep or in their homes. Those were seeds that were planted that, that uh, God watered and, and uh, brought fruitfulness
0: in my life. For those of you who've just tuned in, this is More Christianity, the program where we explore the fullness of the Christian faith in the Catholic Church. My guest today is Thomas Smith. He's a convert from the Mormon faith. He became a Baptist, and then Thomas, uh, a Baptist minister. And how long were you actually a minister in the Baptist faith? Uh, just about three years, mm-hmm. to a short stint. And it was during that time, was it, that you began to explore the historic church? Tell us a bit more about your journey.
1: Yeah, sure. From the Baptist point of view, it was really seeking a deeper spiritual life. I felt like my spiritual life was a mile wide and an inch deep. So I started reading what we call spiritual authors, Catherine of Siena, St. John of the Cross, and others. At the same time, I was working a lot with those Mormon missionaries that we just got through talking about, trying to share faith with them, knowing that many of them are maybe on a similar journey as I I was. Um, And of course, a sticking point between us and Latter Day Saints is the Trinity, which Mormons fundamentally reject. They couldn't recite the Creed with us. So I wanted to demonstrate that the trinity wasn't something as they imagined the catholics made up at the council of nicaea mm-hmm. that you could show in the earliest writings of christianity what was certainly implicit and i think explicit in the canon of scripture and so that's what introduced me for the first time to the church fathers the internet was new this is the mid-1990s mm-hmm. but one of the first sites that went up was a site that collected christian writings and among them were the church fathers and i not only found the fence for the trinity to use with mormon missionaries but surprisingly found what I, I would consider distinctly Catholic doctrines that I, had, I was certain the Catholics had made up in the Middle Ages. In my Baptist faith, we, we had a little book called The Trail of Blood that showed basically what Baptists believe today could be traced all the way back to early Christianity. But what I was finding about the English Christians was very really distinctively Catholic, and that started me on a whole new journey to, to take seriously the claims of the Catholic Church.
0: Thank you, Thomas. I know that book, The Trail of Blood, if people are interested, they can look it up online. I've also got some articles about that on my blog, which is called Standing on My Head. They can just go over there, check on archived articles in the drop-down menu and read some of those articles about primitivism in the Baptist Church and about restorationism, two ideas that were also instrumental to the formation of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This is the idea that in some way we want to get rid of all these denominations and all these man-made institutions and get the Church back to the primitive days and restore and renew the Church just as it was in the early days. I believe that's also where Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons and the rest came from to start with. With that sort of philosophy, Thomas, you then left the Baptist ministry and were received into full communion with the Catholic Church. Can you tell us a little bit more about your work now?
1: Not long after becoming Catholic, I discerned that God was calling me to be a Catholic priest. I spent six years in seminary formation in the exercises at Denver, which was incredibly Wonderful, uh, intellectual, soul-shaping journey for me. Um, then I began to work for Archbishop Bishop Charles C. both as an instructor and then later as the director of the Denver Catholic Biblical School, which is the largest and public school of its time in the U.S. And then about four years ago, I felt God calling me to just do full-time parish ministry work. So I do Advent missions, Lenten missions. I speak at uh, conferences on sacred scripture so that's really my fundamental work now. I'm on the road 160 to 180 days out of the year working with parish life and encouraging and strengthening parish
0: life. One of the things which has really amazed me over the last couple of years looking at the American Catholic Church is how many converts there are who are doing the sort of work you are, out evangelizing. And it's, I think, one of the great gifts which people like yourself and others have brought into our Catholic Church, the zeal to proclaim the gospel, the zeal to evangelize this missionary aspect of the Mormon faith, and all the young men go out to be missionaries, and you did as well, that you still have that spirit, don't you? The missionary spirit of of wanting to get out there and, and share the gospel.
1: Yeah, you're exactly right, and that's really the heart of our gospels, isn't it? That the church is, by her very nature, missional. First thing Jesus issues to us is the invitation to come to him, and the last thing he says is go. Part of my work, I think, is to encourage or awaken the the Catholic Church to this consciousness that we're all called to be missionaries in a sense, but every one of us is sent, if we're a disciple of Jesus Christ, into the world, into the circles of influence in which we move, and we should be sharing the Gospel in the natural, normal moments of our day. Not all of us are probably called to go door-to-door, but we are called to plant seeds and to be faithful witnesses, and I think especially in this year of faith, there's this great grace being poured out upon the Church, I hope to give the Church courage to be more missional in her very character, especially in an increasingly hostile culture, more than ever, we need to be the light of the earth, and we need to be the salt of the earth, but if we're going to be the salt of the earth, we've got to get out of the salt
0: shaker. I like that. If you want to be the salt of the earth, you have to get out of the salt shaker. Thomas, one of the things which I'm really intrigued about here is that in our program, More Christianity, the tagline is exploring the fullness of the Christian faith in the Catholic Church, and a lot of our listeners might think, oh, That's great. Father Longenecker is helping all those Protestants to understand that the fullness of the faith is only in the Catholic Church. Part of this, though, is to stand the whole thing on its head and to say, yes, this is true. But also it's true that the converts who are coming into the Catholic Church are bringing their own gifts, they're bringing their own charisms, they're bringing their own traditions, their own background and their own history as a great gift to the Catholic Church. And you're you're a prime example of that. For most people, I suppose the Mormon faith is typified by these guys out on their bicycles who are missionaries, and you've brought that same missionary spirit, that zeal, into the Catholic Church. It's a gift that you've brought to the Catholic Church, and so we receive from you and from the other converts, and I'm sure you would agree with me as a fellow convert, that we receive an awful lot from the Catholic Church, but it's nice to think that we also have something to contribute. Do you see it that way as well?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a way to invigorate, it's a little bit of a blood transfusion maybe into the body of Christ. All of us have a journey, and along that spiritual journey we pick up gifts, and I look back at the Mormon Church, even though I have strong theological differences, there's certainly gifts that gave me a confidence in speaking in public. Mm-hmm. As you mentioned, the zeal, the, the Baptist faith gave me a great love for the Word of God and, and the beginnings of an understanding of grace. So not always tell cradle Catholics. That they're the heroes of the converts. Converts get a lot of light and focus, but we wouldn't have anything to come home to if the cradle Catholics hadn't kept the light on for us and remained faithful through all the ups and downs of the Church. So I think both are needed. They're, they're the ones who welcomed informed us and discipled us into the Church, and, and hopefully coming in the rest of our life can be a, a kind of continual thanksgiving to Christ and His Church by like bringing our gifts and, and unfolding and sharing our gifts within the body of Christ.
0: Absolutely, and as a fellow convert and a fellow Baptist convert, I have to say amen, brother. <laughs> <laughs> we, have, we would not have, not have any Catholic church to come to, as you say, if it weren't for the generations of faithful Catholics who were there to welcome us home.
1: It makes you wonder also how many Catholics who are in the body of Christ who have died, whose prayers brought us here. So, you know, part of heaven, I think, will be to see all of the grace that was poured out that not only in the physical people we need, but the fuller sense of the communion of saints that played
0: us into the church. Absolutely. Thomas, we have to draw to a close here pretty quickly. Do you have a website that you can direct our listeners to so they can learn more about you and perhaps invite you to a parish mission and get you there to learn more about your ministry and your work?
1: I do. Thanks, Father. It's www.gen215.org. So www.gen215.org. G-E-N, like the first three letters of Genesis, the numbers two one and they can see my schedule and the work that I do and those who've recommended me to, to parish missions.
0: We're talking to Thomas Smith, a convert from Mormonism who now works as a Catholic missionary. You can visit his website at www.gen215.org. Thomas, thank you for being our guest on more Christianity Father, it's been a joy.